What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hanaho Podcast. It's Willie Paul sitting down with Pastor Elwin. We're both back at home after last week, the office Wi-Fi debacle. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that thing fixed. I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, how's everything going? Um, yeah, my wife doesn't want me being at home, so <laughs> we got we got to get that fixed soon. <laughs> I uh, it's fall break, so Ashley is at home right now. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, good. so I had to lock her in the room while I'm filming. Uh, yeah, wait, wait till your baby comes. I know. Then it's gonna be like trying to sneak uh, all the podcast time that I can while the baby's uh, sleeping. But nah, 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 nah. Um. That's actually crazy that it's going to be happening pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah a real reality. Uh, but we're not here to talk about baby crying. Uh, we're, we're talking about, um, Pastor Owen, you gave a, a great message this past weekend about holy discontent mm. uh, about Nehemiah. Um, but I wanted to ask, where did you get this concept of like holy discontent? Um, like this concept of, you know, that feeling that we all have of something isn't right and it like pushes you forward. Um, where did you kind of pull this from? Uh, it's been around a while. Uh, mm. Like I said, Bill Hybels, who was a pastor at Willow Creek uh, Community Church in Chicago. Uh, he wrote a book uh, quite some time ago. It's mm. been around in, in leadership circles. And, uh, and, and I've heard it uh, used in different messages, leadership conferences, but it has been something, you know, that I would consider uh, times in my own life, you know, so what is that? That's really, it's gnawing at you on the insides. Um, but it's a good thing because it's uh, the holy discontent. You know, again, mm -hmm. the operative word is holy, what God is putting on your heart to get you out of that sofa and, you know, start doing something because you can have all the concerns in the world, but if you, you're not willing to get up and do something, then you know, what's the sense, right? Yeah, it reminds me of um, if you ever heard the term slacktivism of, um, yeah. you know, you post an infographic on your Instagram or something, and it's kind of like, a, I did it, um, which, you know, there's information that should be spread through social media and, you know, making people aware of things going on in the world. But at the same time, there is a lot of, uh, like, it's kind of, I feel scratches that itch of the holy discontent of, Oh, I should be doing something about this. Yeah. Uh, but it disqualifies or not disqualifies, but like stops us from getting involved in a deeper way. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, we're, we're going through the book of Nehemiah. So as I'm reading through that, um, what really stopped me was just wondering, why did you go back? You know, like I kind of explored in the message. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes it's good to just stop. And that's why context is so critical to understand the, the true meaning that's coming out through the words of, of scripture. And in this case, you know, like I said, Nehemiah didn't have to. <laughs> he was set. He was established. He was in a good place. And to think that he would, in order to do what he had to do, to travel 900 miles, it's not like you jump in Southwest Airlines or whatever and take a flight over there. You got to give up everything to go back and do something that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You're not going to get rich on it. You know, it's not going to further your career. It has nothing to do with your personal ambitions. It's, but God put it on his heart to go back 
And so mm. then I, I thought of the phrase, oh, so there's a holy discontent. And so that's how I came up with this, the message. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good because, um, yeah, I love that he like had to sacrifice, you know, give so much up to go and do this, but he was willing to, because it was like, this is what God is calling you to do, you know? Yeah. Because we live in a world today. And as I kind of said in the message, in, especially in the Westernized Christianity, a world of contentment, we're trying to get the right job, the right place, the right person, the right living conditions, um, because we just don't want anything going wrong in our lives. We want to be content. And uh, we, we live by the phrase, you know, what's in it for me? Mm. So if I do it, then what's in it for me? So Nehemiah had nothing. There was nothing to gain from this thing. But God put it on his heart. Somehow, uh, you got to figure it out. And so... Yeah, we often look at uh, success nowadays. I, I love that um, kind of talking about comparing and contrasting like uh, our current like culture of success being contentedness of like you're not hungry, you're not tired, you're not uh, there's no like drama in your life. But success often in, you know, especially in the teachings of Jesus is like you actively give up your contentedness to enter into the discontent of others to like help them out. Yeah. yeah. And laying so, down your life, right? It's yeah, exactly. Mission. Laying down your life, no greater love than a uh, person has in this. You lay down your life for your brother. You know, Paul talks about contentment. And so, you know, it's, it's not that I am anti-contentment, you know, mm -hmm. Paul talks about, you have a roof over your head, you have food to eat, you know, you should be content. He also says, I've learned the secret of being content. And, um, and basically, it's your obedience. If you're obeying what God has asked you to do, you know, that should bring contentment in your life because nothing else should matter. You don't live for the things of the world. Mm. But what God has laid on your heart to be obedient, to follow through. And I think this weekend, um, talking about commitment, you know, so you don't quit. So when God puts something on your heart, you, you keep going. Mm -hmm. This commitment is staying true to what you said you would do long after the emotions that made you say it has not, has been has passed. Yeah, I'm excited for that because I'm a I, I I make a lot of plans when I'm excited, and then when the plans actually come up, it's like, do I have to do this? So I'm excited yeah. for next weekend. But um, yeah. uh, so Nehemiah, as soon as he heard about you know the walls and uh, the state that everything was in, uh, it like this just set a fire within him. This was like an obvious God is calling you to do this. Uh, but there are people that uh, may have listened to this message that maybe don't have that same, like, this is the one thing that I'm called to. And like, it's, it's, it's driving me to go and do this. It may just be kind of like, well, I kind of care about this and a little bit about that, but there's nothing, there's not like one big thing that I'm like chasing after that. I feel like yeah. God has called me to. Uh, what advice would you offer to um, someone who may not have like a big, big holy discontent in their lives? Yeah. And that was the challenge with this message. Um, uh, which audience are you talking to? You know, mm. you, so this holy discontent was, was a good subject in leadership conferences because these leaders are looking to do something, you know, mm. um, and what's holding you back from doing something. But um, the challenge for this message was balancing that also with the person that is not like a Martin Luther King Jr. or not like a Mother Teresa. In fact, um, you know, Brandon stopped me in the bathroom and he said, you know, Dad, the message is good. Um, but what about the person that, you know, 
the everyday kind of person. Uh, they don't have those kind of big plans. And I was finishing up and trying to get back into the, the, the sanctuary. And so my brief comment to him was, um, but that's the point, you know? I think sometimes we sell ourselves short on the things of God by saying, well, I'm not like that kind of person. So there's nothing for me to do. Mm. Well, there is. And sometimes we're just not sensitive to that. That's why I said, I want to challenge you today. It's good to be content, but I want to challenge you to open your eyes to see what God is seeing and to be sensitive to the things that's breaking his heart. So, you know, to step out and do stuff. At the same time, though, in the message, I included things like, you know, the phrase that Popeye used, yeah? I, I can't stand it no more. Maybe it's your yeah. budget. Mm. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, and I threw that line in about, maybe you, you, you're trying to get a date with somebody. Yeah, I just can't stand it no more that you need to do something about it. So it, it's big things, but, you know, go back to the first message that we, we talked about in this whole series. It comes back to you. The revival actually happens within you. So what is it about yourself that, man, you know you got to get, get around to doing it, whether it's losing weight or whether it's budgeting or whether it's a personality thing. What is it that you need to do the next right thing that Groeschel said? Mm. Do the next right things. What's the next right thing to do? So it doesn't always need to be a huge, grandiose calling. It could just be, as you mentioned, doing the next right thing. Um, everybody has a calling. I think uh, what I said in the message was um, um, what you choose to embrace will become your calling. Hmm. So I, I think people have that. I think people, I think God calls everyone to be a part of doing kingdom work. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we, uh, we disregard it or we don't want to admit that yeah, he is calling me to do something because, man, it's going to take so much out of me. Man, I got to go back to Jerusalem. I'm happy over here. You know, uh, I think God has a calling on every single one of us. Uh, mm. We just have to be sensitive enough. Um, but we may not get there until we actually do a lot of self-reflection and say, Lord, really show me the things that you're seeing. That's, that's, a, that's a big step now. Mm -hmm. It's a bold prayer. Lord, show me the things that you're seeing. Oh, I don't know, man. Do I really want to see what God is seeing? Because once I see it, now more is going to be expected of me. You know, so I'd rather not see anything. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just stay home. But uh, I think God has a call on all of us. Mm. Start with you. Start with yourself. You know, what do you need to set? What do you need to set right? Yeah, and it could even, I mean, I think it could even be just like uh, treating a coworker that everyone kind of dunks on, like treating them kindly and like. Yeah going against the flow in that small way you know yeah yeah, yeah. an example uh, i used was you know maybe you can't stand somebody at your workplace you know either not knowing about jesus or you know they've been bad-mouthing the, the christianity or religion and so maybe your next right thing is hey let's just go out to lunch you know we, i'm not going to convince you of anything but i'd love to have a conversation about it mm. you know, and do it on a regular basis that's the next right thing I like that. I like that. So it doesn't, we can, cause I, I feel like whenever I hear uh, it's, it's very easy for me whenever I hear a message like this to be like, Oh, I gotta be mother Teresa and move to Calcutta yeah. and everything. But yeah. um, it really is the small things in our lives that uh, 
can really add up to big impacts. Yeah. 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 So part of the story of Nehemiah was uh, after he was told, you know, the state of everything, uh, he prayed and mourned. Uh, and then as he talked about in the, in the message this past week, uh, I believe it was four months since he found out and he was mourning and praying and everything, it was four months until he uh, kind of like asked the King for permission to go and like all, all the stuff that he asked for. Yeah. And four months, four months, seems like a really long time, right? Yeah. If something is weighing so heavily on your heart, you would think you would, okay, let's just, let's just go. Let's just do something. Um, but he waited. And, um, and I, and it doesn't say, uh, specifically in the Bible, exactly what he did, mm-hmm. but but I think knowing uh, just and there's some references to it, but you know I, I'm pretty sure he prayed, as did you know all of them, Daniel, Shadrach, you know they always they all did the same, they prayed, they they said it before the Lord God, and because um, like I said, you know it, that was a huge risk, man. Imagine that, right? Yeah. I mean, he 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 is Artaxerxes is the king of Susa, which is in Iran. Uh, Babylon is in that area. So the Babylonians under Artaxerxes' predecessor, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, went and destroyed Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So it's your the, the the city you're living in, Nehemiah is living in, that went and destroyed Jerusalem. And, and yeah. they're, they're all enemies, right? They're all trying to take over each other. So he's got to ask his king to go and repair the, the enemy's city. <laughs> and yeah, which is, which is crazy. And basically like, yeah. hey, I know that I protect your life every day, but can I like take vacation for a few months, you know? Um, and, rebuild, and rebuild the city that your predecessor just destroyed. And yeah. um, by the way, they might get strong enough to come here and destroy you. Right? It's like, can I take a break from protecting your life to go help your enemies? Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, I wanted to ask because that four month like gap kind of stuck with me, and I was like, man, what? So I wanted to ask. I know this is kind of not the best uh, exegesis that the the text doesn't explicitly say what happened during those four months. Um, but I wanted to ask your opinion. Do you think that that four months was a period of like, I'm going to wait till I have a plan and like figure out what I want to do. Do you think it was, uh, I'm going to wait and just pray until I feel like it's the right time. Um, and like God presents an opportunity for me to like do all this stuff and I'm just going to be patient. Um, what are your thoughts on those, that four months? I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Nehemiah had some, um, mild markers that if when he reached it then he knew it was time for step two Mm. i think what he was really praying through uh was that first point i made it'll develop grit in you you know i don't think he had it because again huge Mm. risk his risk huge risk because if the timing wasn't perfect and and he went in there and the king i mean the king could have said either yeah, go ahead. Or he could have said, wait, are you nuts? And I'm letting you test my wine, bringing his whole family here. I don't trust him. And then he's done. Mm, Right. Yeah. 
And uh, so I, I and, and he says that in the scripture, he says, I was afraid, but I asked him. So Nehemiah was probably shaking in his pants when God laid that thing on him that, you know, you need to go back there. And he's thinking, well, what about my family? What about me? What about my future? He wasn't ready yet. And so I really believe that four months was a time um, that he was just trying to get his, get the guts, <laughs> develop mm -hmm. that grit in him to finally say, you know, I'm going to do this. Kind of like when I, you know, I think of, and again, not everybody has to go through something big, you know, big life change. I think God has it in people. Uh, but for me, when I was going through my thing, um, I don't have a calendar that mark, marks out the days, but I would guesstimate that it was at least two and a half years. When wow. I first, yeah, when I first sensed something, man, God is asking me to do something. And I would have this conversation with Joy and others. I'd take them out to lunch, people that I respected. Give me some godly wisdom. And um, how do you know? How do you know it's time to make this move? You know, to step out of the judiciary and get into what? I don't know. It was no job offer. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something where, where the pastor said, hey, I have this opening. Hey, I want you to consider. Nothing. Nothing was on the table. Mm -hmm. But I had this sense in me that, man, am I supposed to be here? Now, think of the risk, okay? I worked my way to get to that point. And say I go, okay, uh, um, I'm leaving, I'm resigning from the judiciary because uh, I'm going to, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. There's <laughs> this church I go to, uh, well, they have a job for you? I don't know. I'm just, you know. Yeah. And let's say, let's say that, that I get hired on this staff and, and the first couple months is like living hell. <laughs> and I hate this stuff. I just cut my lines with the, with the legal system, the judiciary. Mm. I can't go back there and go, hey, um, can you make me a judge again? Not at all. That's not how it works, huh? Not how it works <laughs> at all. Yeah. And so to, to, to get to that point, you have to have something in you that said, okay, we're going to do this. And almost like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, and you know, God will be there. And even if he does not save us, mm -hmm. even if it didn't work out for me, I had to trust that God was going to do something. And I think Nehemiah had to get to that point in his life. We said, okay, I'm going to ask the king. And even if he says no, and you're done, I got to be okay with that. So that's mm -hmm. a lot of prayer. That's a lot of times in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so and then, while you were going through this process, uh, you had mentioned uh, conversations with people. Um, you had mentioned like just constantly being in prayer. Is there anything else that you did during this period when you sensed that God was calling you for this uh, holy discontent that you had? Um, I mean, in, in the message, you marked the three things of producing grit. Uh, this time of prayer produces grit. Uh, it provides clarity. You get a plan of action and it produces clout. Is there anything that you did specifically or like the conversation that you remember having that was like, okay, this is steering me. Like, this is what's going to get me ready to make the step. Yeah. So 
um, heavily in the word of God, uh, but not looking for, and neither did God provide. Okay. So you do step one, you do step two. Mm. It wasn't that at all. It was the word that kept popping out at me throughout my daily devotional time was the word trust, mm. trust, trust me, trust me. And my question was always trust you for what trust you in what, what is that? I'm looking for the connect the dot. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. trying to connect, trust you to connect this dot or this dot. I mean, which way do I go? And all I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me was just trust, trust, trust. People that I talked to, advice that they gave me wasn't, well, you need to do this first and then you do this and then you need to talk to this guy. Um, the common phrase that was given to me, regardless of who I went to talk to, it's like they read the same book. They said mm-hmm. to me, you'll know. I said, know what? <laughs> so do I stay on the bench as a judge or do I? And they would say, you'll know. And I couldn't figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> but after going through that period, that about two and a half years, when that moment came, I knew. Mm. Well, can you explain it? I, I can't explain it. I just knew that that was the time. And uh, so when I revealed that to Joy, she already knew it. God had already confirmed it with her. When I went to tell my mom about it, she said that she had prayed when I was born that God would use, you in, use me in ministry. So they, they all knew that. You know, I needed to come to the point. And how did I know? I can't explain it. I just knew. And I think Nehemiah had that same experience. I think he prayed, prayed, prayed. And finally, at that moment, because he was still sad, you know, the king was mm-hmm. saying, how come you're so sad? So he wasn't rejoicing like, hey, I got the answer. I know what I'm going to do. He was still sad because he wasn't quite that sure yet. And he says in the, in the word, I was afraid, but yet I asked him. And so... Um, yeah, that, that's, that, that happened in my period, my studying and searching. And that time came, okay, I knew. Yeah, and it's difficult. It's difficult because like we as people, you know, we always try to put like a steps or a program or an explanation to everything. Yeah. And like sometimes, especially like when it comes to matters of faith and, and trust, it's like there is no program it's wait 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 and then all of a sudden it's like okay now yeah you'll know um but uh, as you mentioned part of it was having conversations with people that you trusted and people that you respected great way to do that connect groups uh we've got a connect group finder at uh, our website we've got great connect groups at metro where you can have these conversations where you're unsure what to do next uh people that can encourage you to, to take the next step people that encourage you to wait to take the next step. Um, but these people that are going to be there for you while you're going through uh, prayer periods, they're going to encourage you uh, while you're getting ready or going out and doing something, following God's call in your life. Um, so having these connect groups, these groups around you that are going to uh, support you and pray for you is a great way to get through uh, life and, and through your walk with Jesus. So head over to metrochristianchurch.com where we've got a connect group finder for you. Yeah, yeah. And they'll ask you the hard questions. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a, a good connect group isn't one that would just go, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, do it. Do whatever you want to do. Whatever God, whatever you feel God is telling you, go ahead and do it. No, a good connect group will ask you the hard questions. Not to stop you, but to ask you to make sure you're thinking it through. Yeah. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So what would happen if, and, you know, to just challenge you because that would help you to really bring clarity to your plan, whatever your plan is. There's a, I mean, there've been times where I've had this like feeling that God is calling me to something. And then I share it with, you know, people in connect groups or people that are close to me. And they're like, what? Like, absolutely not. That's, that's so dumb. And then I think about it. I'm like, wait, yeah, they're actually right. And so it's like uh, having these connect groups and these conversations in the in the waiting period like helps not only to produce grit to give you a plan but also kind of helps to weed out the bad plans yeah yeah uh, which can save a lot of a lot of headaches down the road yeah but you know when you uh when you go through the process again and you you pray it through and you you know have a concept of what the plan will be you know, um, it does produce clout, you know, again, going to my own experience with that, the number of people that supported me after coming to the point where I said, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. The people that came and supported that decision. Wow. Just unbelievable. You'd never would think. And so even though we would have to uh, reduce our, our daily budget, et cetera, uh, by stepping into ministry, we have never gone without. We have never gone in want of anything. God has always provided somehow. And it's at the right moment too. You know, you don't become a millionaire. Nobody becomes a millionaire in ministry uh, that do it right. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but God has really provided. And, you know, this weekend was so good to be honored uh, for pastor's appreciation. But the humbling thing is that Man, we get to do it with people that really love Jesus, you know, and, and that's the biggest deal for me. Not about money, not about anything else, but being surrounded by people who love Jesus and man, we're willing to step up and do something. So, yeah. And I mean, it does give that clout as you're talking about, even as like, I mean, cause I didn't know you years ago when you were still a judge. Um, but even like hearing the story of like, how you left, I mean, basically everything that you had worked for years and years for, I mean, college, like through, I assume like internships and low level jobs, working your way all the way to the top. Uh, and then to just like, all right, you know what? Like, I, I understand all of that, but um, God is calling me. So I'm going to answer yeah. Like that, having that, that clout is like that. And, you know, the future, you know, for, huh, as a judge, you know, you're, you drive into work and you have a reserved parking space <laughs> that's paid for by taxpayers. <laughs> you know, reserved parking downtown is like what, 200 something at, at that time, you know, when I was there, 200 something a month. But you have that, you have the honor, you have the prestige, you have all that. And just a sweetheart retirement. So the retirement package and what you qualify for, I don't think people really know the details behind that, but you're set. You're really set. You put in the time 
It's set. As a judge, you set your own schedule. You, you work as hard as you want. Wait, for real? Yeah, you work as hard as you want. You can, what the you heck? Can That's call, sick. <laughs> you can call your own, you know, lawyers can, can schedule hearings and whatever, but if it's not a constitutional issue that's on the on the line, you can easily go, you know, call the attorneys and tell them, let's continue the hearing to next week. <laughs> You're in control. You're pretty much God of your own. <laughs> and uh, so to walk away from all that, to say, okay, I'm done. That's, that's hard. I mean, in the natural world, like I said, Nehemiah in the natural world was a cup there. Mm-hmm. But when he went through the whole process, he was operating in the supernatural world. And that's where he got it. He got everything. Cup there. He got everything. Supplies, secret service protection. <laughs> he, got, he got everything. So God provides, man. You said it God's way. God provides all the time. Yeah. And it's just, man, like being able to, I mean, work with you and hear your stories. And I mean, it's crazy that I can just get to pick your brain basically every week for half an hour. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, keeping the pastor's appreciation going, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I know that a lot of people at Metro wouldn't be where we are because like, because you answered the call of God. And so like, not only for you, but for the people listening, like it's, it's a ripple effect of yeah. if Pastor Owen hadn't like given up his private parking, uh, yeah. like I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have caught the leukemia. <laughs> Joy reminds me of yeah, that. True. She goes, you'd be dead. <laughs> oh, but um, if I didn't give up the judgeship, I would have been getting the salary of judges today is, is beyond what I ever had. And she goes, <laughs> but you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but man, taking the time to pray and to talk with our connect groups, the people that we respect to get into God's word and to have that time to produce grit, to have a plan, uh, all of that doesn't just impact us. Like we make the decision, but I mean, Metro is about to turn 10 and like all the stuff that we, that Metro has done is a product of, I mean, you basically taking the time to pray, to talk to those people and to answer the call, the holy discontent, the call that God has put on your life. And so like, you can look at the small decisions and the big decisions and see like all the ripple effects of faith and like of the impact that they're going to have on people around you and people that like, you never thought that you would meet, you know? Yeah. 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 Just add one more thing. You know, it's, when God, when you ask God to give you eyes to see what he's seeing, it's not always rosy pictures. Sometimes mm-hmm. he'll reveal something in your own life. You know, you'll, you may have to go through something that was, oh, that was kind of junk. But God was in that. You know, you cannot, don't lose sight of the fact that God is always wanting you to have the life of abundance. That's why the series is called Greater Things. He's constantly moving us towards the greater things. And it's not always the most rosiest picture. Mm -hmm. But trust that he is leading you to something that's greater 
and, and just trust in that and keep moving. So I am, I can't think of a better place to wrap it up than that right there. That put a little yeah. bow on it. Yeah. Good. So pastor Owen, thanks for always making time. Appreciate you. Um, yep. Head over to our website, uh, listeners, not you, Pastor Owen, you already know what's going on. Uh, but head over to our website uh, to see upcoming events, register for an upcoming service, and we'll see you next week on the Hanaho. Yeah, All awesome. Right. Thanks, Willie. Thanks for Peace, everybody. You.